into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome to another week on The Watch. We're here to share all the geek news and Westworld information that we have. John, how was your Thanksgiving week? Um, oh, that was this week, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> I take it you didn't do too much for Thanksgiving then. Uh, a trace of, is it pumpkin pie at work? Ah. I think that explains why they handed that out. <laughs> That's good. Well, I mean, at least you got some pumpkin pie at work. You said it, so I guess I'll know it's a win. <laughs> well, I hope everybody else, everybody listening, had a, a, a decent Thanksgiving and uh, is here now to listen to what we have to say about the geek world. Um, I have a geek news story about uh, the Green Lantern Corps movie. An actor by the name of Andre Gordon went on his Instagram and uh, posted a picture of Jon Stewart uh, from the Justice League cartoon. And uh, he, I don't know, it kind of implies that he will be doing, he will be Jon Stewart in the Justice League movie or in the Green Lantern Corps movie. But I think that they're really overlooking the fact that he also put Four Horsemen films. So maybe that's like a fan film or something or a uh animated film because this guy andre gordon i've never i don't i don't recognize him uh i don't really know his name his uh, some of his credits are modern family uh a, a perfect christmas list which is a tv movie a lot of tv movies a lot of tv series security guard on ncis los angeles so i, I don't think he's really had a big role yet, which doesn't mean that he can't, just that he hasn't had one yet. Maybe this means he's coming to the Arrowverse. <sighs> Maybe. Maybe that does mean he's coming to the Arrowverse. That, that could be a thing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see how more of that pans out and uh, just wait. Because uh, as we reported last week, there was there's that story about how a Green Lantern Corps member will show up in a key member key scene of justice league so we'll have to see what that means what well i'll keep an eye out for that and what was your first story uh one of the two directors for john wick the one that's not doing deadpool 2 uh is going to be directing possibly a highlander remake and i am kind of excited about that i've always been a big fan of highlander i've watched all the terrible movies and <laughs> uh, I think every season of the TV show, except for the last that was only released over in Europe, but I think they have it on. They they did have it on Netflix, so I don't know if it is anymore. 
Uh, I know at one point Alex Proyas was uh, set to direct it, the guy who directed The Crow and uh, other movies, but... Um, ago. So I think they've been working on a remake for like over 10 years now. Yeah, and Ryan Reynolds was going to star as Connor McCloud, but I, I know that has gone by the wayside. So now we have uh, this director, which his name is is escaping me at the moment. Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. It, his, his name's escaping me at the moment. So uh, I know that, you know, one half of the John Wick directors and he's also the director of john wick 2 should be pretty cool for at least for the action yeah i mean i my biggest hope is that they finesse the original story because you can kind of tell they were making it up as they went along you know (laughs) with the whole there can be only one and then later there was several and then they turned out to be aliens and then that one was kind of retconned as not being in part canon. of the continuity so yeah. <laughs> we'll see we'll we'll see if they make a uh, something out of all that were you uh, a big fan of the highlander franchise uh i really liked the first movie and everything that it implies but yeah i think it, the story just kind of took a big dive as it went along and it, like you i watched the the series as well and you enjoyed it continued in europe so oh see uh, you, um, you cut out a little bit there oh yeah uh yeah, I guess I I liked aspects of it, but basically, like if they could just find a really good way to make the story of the original work in a more serialized context, uh, I mean I'm excited for that. You know, expand a little bit more about the Highlanders without having to go too ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, you might have a good movie. As I say, I think when you get a little bit too detailed, that's when it starts to become a little bit far fetched, and your and your suspension of disbelief doesn't work so much. Yeah, let's just don't make them aliens like this. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it here. Uh, who's who's some of the people that like who's someone that you would love to see as as Connor and someone who as the Corgan? Oh man, the the Corgan would be an awesome one to try to cast right now. Uh, Let's see. I mean, who could you really get to replace that ass? I don't. I think. Uh, I don't know. I think like Stephen Lang might be pretty good. Um, Ron Perlman. I mean, these are kind of the same guys I've I won as Cable. So, <laughs> uh, well, we gotta have a a. Uh... Hey, wasn't there a time traveler version of the Highlander with Mario Van Peebles at one point? Yes, that was uh, Highlander Three: The Final Dimension, I believe. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, there you go. Maybe we could have a time-traveling Highlander this time <laughs> around, and it could be one of those guys. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, moving on to my next story, I have John Cleese has started up a Twitter account, and he is following Justice League movie and Ben Affleck. So I think uh, in our social media day and age that means that he is probably going to be cast as someone in the justice league movie um there's a few speculations out there of who he might be some people are saying maybe granny goodness uh dr fate g gordon godfrey i think a good bet would be that he would be wintergreen um meaning he'd be uh deathstroke's butler as in deathstroke's alfred as opposed to batman's alfred and uh, a lot of other people are saying that 
this could be like an early sign that they're going to start bringing a little bit more humor into the world because John Cleese is pretty much a comedy god at this point. Yeah, he does bring a certain pedigree of humor with him, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. He could be uh, <laughs> um, uh, Alfred, uh, Alfred's character, uh, played by, oh man, what is his name now? Jeremy uh, Irons. Jeremy Irons. Yeah, I was going to call him Scar. <laughs> that's how I remember people by their Disney characters. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting. Characters you mentioned he could be playing, I'm not familiar with because I'm not that deep into the DC uh, character stuff. So whatever he comes out in, I'm sure it'll be a surprise to me. But uh, yeah, I like John Cleese. He's cool. So we'll, g- we'll give him a shot. Sounds good. Uh so, John, what was the next story that you had working for us? All right. Uh, so there's a book series called The Warriors, not to be confused with The Warriors from the 1970s. Oh, man. Uh, this I, is about I thought, cats. I thought that's what that, we were going to be talking about. Now now I got my hopes up. <laughs> no. Well, then again, if you're a cat person, you might still be excited because uh, this is all about the secret world of political intrigue that cats experience right underneath our very noses. <laughs> oh, you're serious. Just, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah that, that's exactly how this movie is described. It says, like, imagine the world of Game of Thrones, but with cats, and it's all happening right underneath our very noses. Oh, So is it going to be, like, you... a character named Jon Snowball? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sir Fluffington, yeah. There's, they're going to have some weird stuff. No, it, it's played serious, too. Like these, And, um, yeah, we're going to see all the political machinations and intrigue and full-on war of cats uh, that happens right, you know, right in front of us, and we don't even realize it. Well, you know, uh, I always knew that cats were up to devious Machiavellian plans, and uh, this only proves it. So I say we get rid of all the cats and uh, make sure that they don't invade our country ever again. I think it's too late. The hipsters have already uh, let them in. No! All right. Well, they're so they're planning on making this into a movie. Uh, does it say more than just one movie, a movie franchise idea, or...? Well, it's several books, so I'm guessing if this one is successful, uh, yeah, they'll. <laughs> I don't know. the The only thing that comes to mind right now when thinking of this idea is that stupid uh, Kevin Spacey cat movie that came out just recently. Oh, Nine Lives. Yeah. <laughs> Like I imagine cats now with like obvious celebrity voices where they don't even seem sound like they're trying. Yeah, it would be like that. Uh, was that Cats and Dogs movie that they had maybe what a decade ago? Uh, has it been that long already? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, about that, I don't know if I'll I'll end up seeing that movie or not. But it's a good thing to keep on the keep on a radar. Yeah. Keep an eye out for it if you're a cat person. Or if you hate cats, there'll probably be a lot of cat murder, so you can at least enjoy it for that. So there's something for everyone. I just I kind of just picture a lot of people dressed up like the cats from the Broadway play cats, like <laughs> wielding swords or guns. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that would be 
pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, my have, next. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Guys. Nah, okay. This is, uh, that just tickled me to think of the cast of cats like fighting to the death. <laughs> Uh, my next story has to do with video games, and I know we don't talk too much about video games on this particular podcast, but uh, it's got its own other comic book uh, tie-in, so it caught my it caught my attention. Uh, WB Montreal is developing two video games having to do with Batman. One is supposed to be a straight-up Batman game, probably in the Arkham. Uh, vain while well, they're also making a brawler game that has to do with suicide squad and there is a chance that uh they accidentally leaked a photo of either one of these games uh when they were they posted a video of their game developers uh at work we have to say is that either the the, the suicide squad game is uh is a brawler you create your own avatar grow it out with tiers of rewards Many characters to choose from, co-op action, Borderlands-esque, and uh, targeted for 2017 release. Whereas the other game is a Damian Wayne game, has been uh, greenlit uh, last summer, 10 years in the future, uh, probably not quite Batman Beyond. Uh, Bruce is old and has a beard, he has a harness on his leg, he's using a walking stick, uh, is is mentoring Damian Wayne to be the new Batman, Uh, Damian has a bat bike. Lots of great characters and also new ones. Lots of redesigns, like Black Mask being a female. Uh, Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson's in it and has a shaved head. And some of the villains are Flamingo, Poison Ivy, and White Rabbit. So, uh, the the photo they have, or in the video that they posted, there's a, a screen grab of basically a developer playing a game, and you see Batman kind of crouching next to a. Uh, a car like as if he's going to either break into it or he's hiding from someone and it's kind of third person view. So, uh, you know, we have to figure out what, which game that, or it could be either game. It's not, it's not like there's a lot of information in the screen grab, but it's just something. Now is poison Ivy still like normal looking in this time frame, or does she age like a normal person would? You know, that's a good question. Um, I mean, plants obviously live a lot longer than we do, so I would assume that she her her like uh, aging process would slow down. As long as you keep her watered and gets plenty of sunlight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Arkham's probably not the best place for her, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they probably gave her a UV lamp or something. <laughs> If I mean, if I were to play a Damian Wayne va- game in the vein of Arkham, I, I, I'd say I'd probably in, uh, end up enjoying that, uh, as well as a Borderlands-esque game with Suicide Squad members. Uh, I think that'd be kind of fun, too. What did you think about those two options? Uh, it sounds interesting. I mean, especially because each character has their own uh, you know, power set. I'd probably want to stick mostly to... Diablo and just scorch everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're going to stick with, and which they probably will, they'll stick with the movie cast. I mean, Diablo seems like he'd have quite the overpowering over everybody else on the team. 
Yeah, unless you're forced to stick to like only one of a couple of characters, in which case it'd probably be Deadshot, uh, Harley Quinn, and I don't know who the third one would be. Maybe third one, Killer Captain Croc. Boomerang because of the the boomerang weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say throw in Killer Croc because he could be your tank and probably take a lot of the damage and and stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, Boomerang, <laughs> Boomerang is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, razor sharp boomerangs how does he catch those boomerangs by the way i've always wondered that like how does he not hurt himself is he just that skilled i just figured it's a little bit of he's just that skilled and he probably has a special glove just like the little kid in uh mad max or i guess it's road warrior oh i guess that makes sense yeah um but yeah that's all i have for news this week did you have any other stories uh, no more stories, but I did go watch Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I also watched that this week. Uh, and uh, how did you find the movie? Hated it. Hated it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I I didn't I didn't hate it. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I had was, a... uh, my biggest problem. Uh, well, hate may be a strong word, but definitely did not like it. Um, I felt like it was two different movies like crammed into one. Um, where you have the ultra silly stuff that uh, Eddie Redmayne is doing, uh, you know, like that spe- specifically with the little mating dance thing that he does with that magical rhino, right? Thing. <laughs> Which reminded me in all the the right and wrong ways of like Doctor Who. I was like, this is something that belongs in a Moffat production. Um, so that was its own thing. And then you have the extremely dark kind of side story that's going on that doesn't really seem like it fits in because it's it gets too easily resolved at the end with uh, Ezra Miller's character. You're right. Um, You're right. Yeah, you have that whole thing going on where it's like, oh, you know, we have this, this kind of goofy guy that's uh, British and silly and, you know, his animals are loose. And then you have like this really creepy, dark, uh, anti-witch woman that's beating up her adopted kids and they live in poverty and they're obviously being physically and mentally abused. <laughs> and then like the the one that has the powers but's trying to hide it is you know, killing people with those powers. I'm like, holy crap, man, like pick a tone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I I didn't I was just say like I didn't particularly hate it. Uh, I didn't love it either, but I did enjoy uh, watching the movie, especially for Dan Fogler. I thought he was funny in just about the whole thing, and I you know that's what he was there for. He was to be there to be the ultra slapstick part of the movie, and definitely in, be the audience to introduce us into the American side of the the world of magic. Uh, I like that they left open some things for, you know, the sequels that they're going to be making. We know they're going to be making four more movies. Uh, but I also liked how this movie was kind of contained in its own self. So uh, that that worked out great for me, which is like the first few Harry Potter movies. You know, those, those stories really cont- stayed contained within themselves, within their own movies, where I, but still left it open for the bigger over overarching story. Well, they definitely did leave it open, that's for sure. Um, It's just, uh, you know, I kind of figured what they would do is, you know, introduce you to the character, um, 
a little sooner as, and then let you know why like halfway through the movie. I felt that it was too long, too. Um, you know, you spend a little too much time kind of uh, in the center. Like, the plot just comes to a complete standstill. And they're like, all right, now let's go hang out inside my briefcase and I'll show you some, like, wacky stuff. <laughs> See, uh, and, and I think that has to do a lot with the fact that it's, you know, the the whole Fantastic Beast and where to find them is a textbook. And that's the part, like, in the, I guess it's a compendium for whatever you, if you wanted to buy that, that particular book. It's just a, a thin book that has a lot of drawings and sketches of the different uh, animals and stuff like that. And this is the part where... You get to see all those different animals on the screen, but you had to fill in a story around it. So, uh, I, I mean, I kind of get that. Man, but I feel I like that's the saying. part where they got a little bit lazy. Yeah, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> but but uh, I did notice they name dropped Arizona a couple of times. I can only imagine what the audience <laughs> must have been like there when they say that. You know, it was funny. Is I, I thought it was pretty cool, but I, no one else in the theater really seemed to react. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I guess really? I guess it wasn't that big a deal to them. I watched Independence Day in the theater, and they have that one shot where it says Imperial Valley, and everybody just erupted. <laughs> well, I remember I was watching the the first Bad Santa movie when I was living in Phoenix, and he says uh, he asked the the kid asked him what the North Pole is like, and he says it's like one of the suburbs, and he goes which one? And he goes Apache Junction, and everybody just erupted in laughter, and I was like, really? you're gonna that's that's funny so there you go it's it's different strokes for different folks i imagine actually i think the best shout out i've ever seen was in uh (laughs) was vegas ethan embry's uh, fake id says that he's from yuma arizona that's right nick papa giorgio from yuma arizona yes (laughs) (laughs) that is the best right there that's yeah. That's, uh, it will, Yuma will never know heights of fame as big as that, except ex- unless, of course, they have another flood. That's true. I mean, usually, uh, if you have to explain to someone that you're you live in Yuma that doesn't know what Yuma is, they'll be like, "Oh, I mean, like like three ten to Yuma," and you have to say, "Yeah." But the thing is, that they never actually make it to Yuma in that movie. <laughs> They're just trying to get to a train that's going to Yuma. Yeah, it's. Um... I guess that's the funny thing. It's been in the title of a movie, but you never actually go there. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say about Fantastic Beasts before we move on to our episode of Westworld this week? No, I agree with you. Dan Fogler was the probably the best part of the movie. I really liked his character a lot. I liked the visuals a lot. The 1920s uh, Prohibition era New York with the magic undertone was cool. Yep. A lot of cool ideas. I just think the story could have definitely have been done a little better but you know well we still have four more movies to improve upon there you go <laughs> all right so our episode of westworld this week is episode uh what was the episode n- number eight episode eight trace decay i think we got a, a quite a bit of answer a lot a, a lot of answers that we were looking for uh a lot of answers we were looking for <laughs> from last week's episode um I, one thing I just want to skip to right away is we we know what happened to Elise, kind of. Kind of, yeah. There was a real quick flash, wasn't there? Right, because uh, towards the end when Bernard is talking to Ford and asking him, you know, because he's kind of having guilt over what he did uh, he did to Therese. 
uh, he asked him, have you ever asked, you ever had me kill before? And he says, like, Ford just quickly is just, no, no, never, nothing, like, nothing like that. And then Bernard kind of has a, a memory of grabbing Elise. Yeah. And then uh, you see Ford very promptly hit the delete button on his little, like, emotional pad or something. Right. And it's like, oh, never mind, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> now... I, that scene, that, that that whole idea right there really stuck with me because did he really have the time to do that? Well, it depends on how they were playing around with uh, him going through uh, the underbelly of Westworld. I mean, you have the, like we said before, there seems to be like an underground tunnel system. Right. So it's possible they just played around with the timeline a little bit and had him... Uh, you know, show up while she was still there, even though she should definitely have gone way before that. Right. I mean, yeah, we, we really don't know. So the idea, like, he goes in there to talk to Therese, and as he uh, is talking to Therese, Elise calls him and says, hey, I really need to talk to you. I found something. And that's when he leaves Therese's apartment, and she tells him that uh, Arnold is the one that's been manipulating the the... The, uh, or sending out information and talking to the different hosts. And she sticks around after that to keep looking up more stuff, but I, I guess at that point he goes and tells Ford the information that he finds out, and Ford sends him off to take take care of Elise? Yeah, that would be my guess. I was like, oh, so she's finding out stuff, huh? All right, go take care of her. Yeah, and and we don't really. I guess we really don't know from that point where how long she stays there. But then we see her; she's working on something else, and she finds something, and that's when she hears something, and she starts yelling out for whoever it could be. And then we we just saw her get snagged, but we don't really know what happened. Now we know that at least we know that Bernard grabbed her. Yeah. Do you um, think it's a it's a misdirect? Do you think that he did he grabbed her but didn't kill her, and he she's, he's kind of just stashed her somewhere? And when he was asking people if they seen it, if they seen her, that's kind of his way of just covering up his tracks or like making it look like he doesn't know. Uh, well, I mean, he definitely had no memory at that time. Although it did kind of come back in a flash. It could be like the reveries that the, uh, you know, the guys suffer from. Uh huh. But um, possibility he killed her. Okay, so. Uh, I think we'll probably, I mean, we got episode 9 tonight and then episode 10 after that. So we'll, I, I, I have to assume that they will give a little bit more story on what happened to her character because just having her die off like that would be kind of terrible. <laughs> well, to die off screen or to die by the hand of your, like, essentially boss? No, to die off screen. Dying by your boss uh, happens to workers every every day, every week. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. Uh, I thought it was also interesting is the 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 player piano this week. I mean, which is that the player piano is always interesting to me. But we had House of the Rising Sun and uh, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black both play, and I think it definitely had like some inf- it seemed to like have some influence on Maeve and at least the other people around her when it was playing. Did, did you notice that? Well, I did catch the obvious reference with the, the black back-to-black thing, you know, and how that uh, pertains to the characters. Um, I don't know the exact effect that it had on them, but I did, 
new like god mode that she was exhibiting. Right. I really like how she has the skill now to just basically tell the characters what to do, and she now is making up narratives on the fly. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a fun sequence. I mean, that was pretty impressive that now she kind of just does it with her own... She can just say the words, and and, and uh, they, they start doing what she says. Do you think she has to actually say it, though? I mean, or is it? can it just be a like talking telepathy almost? Um, yeah, that's the only part that I didn't really understand. I mean, obviously, I think we're getting some kind of shorthand version of whatever it is that's really happening so that we as the viewers understand it. Okay. It could all just be happening, like, telepathically, or she could be saying something, some specific key phrase that, uh, you know, reprograms them on the spot. Right. Um. But I guess, I mean, I, I think at some point we aren't supposed to think too much about how something works and just try to get the, you know, the feeling that, oh, this is what's happening now, as opposed to, well, how is this happening now? Okay. And uh, she, she somehow has tapped into them or to their minds and can change things at will. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, definitely what they're depicting now. And she, I mean, as a host that has that type of power it's obviously going to uh i mean i don't know it's gonna definitely make it so that she can amass an army that she wants i think and uh it also has to be said about what they told her what felix and sylvester told her about the fact that uh if they she steps outside the doors or outside the property she'll blow up yeah that old little uh chestnut of a plot device <laughs> um, very similar to uh, what was it Star Wars Phantom Menace if you're a slave or Demolition Man if you go outside the boundaries of a certain area um, you get blown up okay and Suicide Squad for that matter too Suicide yeah. Squad and Running Man Running Man yeah oh yeah that's the one I meant not okay <laughs> There was a man in it, and one of the Expendables was in it. That's all I can remember. You're right. That's exactly what, how it happened. Uh, That's, uh... Speaking of Felix and Sylvester, uh, Sylvester took quite the the cut to the neck. Yeah, that was really awesome. I like that part. In the... <laughs> now, uh, basically, Maeve showing us she's no longer... like she, She's definitely becoming separate from the system or can override it herself. Uh, takes a scalpel, slashes uh, Sylvester ever so delicately across the neck, to which at first you don't really see the wound. It's that's how good it was, until he starts to, you know, bleed out. Um, <laughs> and then Maeve gives the uh, I don't know some kind of healing or cauterizing gun to Felix, and says something like, "Hey, we might need him here." And he's like, uh, "Okay," and patches him up. <laughs> Okay, so uh, one, I was when when looking at this, Maeve. I don't know. It seems at least it seemed like to me the T- Tandy Newton kind of has a uh, a moment of guilt, and she she feels sorry for him. Is like, oh crap, you know, he's he's kind of suffering and dying right there. Let's let's go and heal him. And then uh, two, you know, the fact that you can heal him, cauterize cauterize that root carterized that wound so easily and then he he's going to be okay or at least okay enough for him to get up and help them seems odd to me 
Well, I think what she was basically just doing is showing him who's boss. It was like, hey, I can kill you if I want to. Right. And uh, so you're going to help me or I will kill you. And uh, yeah, so like now they have this big old plan. Uh, I guess they operated on her to take out her explosive device. You think that's what they... I thought they were just... They were just making it so that she rewrote her code so that she could rewrite other people's code or at least tell influence them to do what they wanted to do. Well, that was part of it, but another part of it was uh, she wanted to know where exactly her her explosive device was placed, and they told her it was like on her 16th vertebrae or something like that. Uh, so it's somewhere on her spine, and that's what she wanted. She wanted them to like operate on her. And... Uh, that's when Sylvester was like, "All right, this is our chance to like, you know, take her out, you know, you know, basically lobotomize her." Uh, but she was having none of that. So, so I'm actually unclear because I didn't rewatch this episode like I should be doing, <laughs> uh, whether or not they fully were able to take out the explosive device or not. Um, that could still be pending. Uh, but the the God mode was like uh, one of the other benefits of now being a hundred percent bull cap perception and um, all of her other stats getting bumped up. She like now has more administrative privileges, basically. <laughs> uh, right, and I, you know, I, I guess I totally missed the part where uh, they talked about taking out her explosive. But why do you think Felix didn't go through with Sylvester's plan? Why do you think he? sided with Maeve. Um, I think he's partially afraid of her. Like he doesn't fully understand what's happening. But I think he also wants to kind of see where this is going. This is probably really exciting for him in a weird, messed up kind of way. You know, like he's he wanted to get into behavior, you know, he wanted to move up from from um from butcher. What do you call it? From being a butcher, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I also think that because he has that in, that conversation with uh, with Sylvester outside of uh, outside of the room when he, they think that she can't hear them, but he's you know he's basically stating that she thinks now for on her own, so she's alive. There's you know kill, at this point, if we did something like that, it would be killing her. And he I, first, I I'm just guessing that he just has a problem with killing, uh, even when uh, Maeve cuts. Sylvester's neck cuts his throat. He says, "You you promised you weren't going to hurt him." So, I think he just really has a problem problem with uh, violence and stuff like that. Yeah, I think. Well, I I think it was stated in the previous episode that uh, Mabe is blackmailing Sylvester because he's running an underground like post pimp thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's the only thing that makes any real sense. But yeah, both of these guys are. <laughs> If uh, if we're going to refrain for a moment and talk about uh, an interesting observation from Reddit. Um, the Another thing in this episode is that Bernard is made to collect all the evidence that he ever was in a relationship with uh, Therese. Uh-huh. And you see him meticulously go through his stuff. You know, he collects all their notes, their love letters to each other. Um he finds hairs of like that belong to Therese and puts them in a little silver baggie along with any personal affections. Uh, <laughs> he deletes video evidence of them being together from like the archives and incinerates, you know, any physical evidence. 
and uh, the Reddit post was like, you got to make sure you're thorough. Delo security is top notch. <laughs> and then you cut to basically every scene with Felix and Sylvester. And uh, you have, you know, Maeve running naked through the, the, the underground the first time she wakes up. And I was like, nope, nobody saw this happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see uh, Sylvester walking Maeve through the upper levels completely like just out of bounds of their normal work area. And it's like, yep, nothing suspicious here. <laughs> And then you see, uh, yeah, so Felix breaking Maeve when he shows her the uh, emotional tablet thingy. And so, yep, no red flags going off in security about this. Uh, or, you know, the fact that Sylvester's running a, uh, a pimp, a host pimp business, or uh, that one guy who got caught by Elise that was having sex with the, one of the hosts, and all that good stuff. Yeah, none of that stuff is. is, is to be worried yep. about but then you have you have hemsworth walking up to uh bernard being like hey uh i know i'm not supposed to know this but i know you guys are close and he's like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> just deny yeah. deny deny i mean obviously it's been wiped from his memory but yep just keep denying <laughs> yep. like it's like hemsworth... security is top notch <laughs> it should be like hemsworth should be like Oh yeah, that's right. I know the bro code. I, I, you're right, dude. I don't know what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hush, hush. Keep it on the DL. <laughs> but yeah, that was. I mean, for him to go through and have to clean up all that stuff, that was. Uh, I mean, it's a good thing that he's a a robot, I guess, because to find all those individual hairs and stuff is a is would be tedious. Yep, must be thorough. And it's not, I mean, it, it won't do to just throw it out. You have to incinerate it and, like, watch it turn to dust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the death of Therese, they just went ahead and, and killed her. They, you know, the whole idea that we were talking about last week with them building a host to replace her uh, didn't come to fruition. They just made it so that she was on the same rock that the woodcarver was on, and she fell down in the cavern and pretty much uh, died from being banged up. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool that they tied that in. Um, and they even blamed her as being a corporate spy, which uh, you see... Um, uh, oh, man, what was her name again? Uh Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte. Um, just kind of like have to take it, you know? And basically be like, oh, well, um, yeah, that's unfortunate that that happened. And <laughs> just kind of set back, basically. And uh, Ford takes the moment to say, you know, like, as you can understand, you know, you know, because of this, I'm going to need all the help I can get to complete my work. So I'm reinstating Bernard. And I was like, and then states that he damn. that we obviously know that what you did with Clementine was uh was staged. Oh yeah, that too. That was a cool part too. She just kind of she has some good faces, man. Like she doesn't say a lot, but man, you can tell she's just stewing with like anger and uh, confusion as to how such a perfect plan was just unraveled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she you know she's got that real. Uh, great reaction face to what's what's happening around her, and she's kind of losing a little bit of control. Yeah, and the idea that 
Therese was being in a, a corporate, doing a corporate espionage. Uh, she knows that I, I, I believe that if they stated that the, the stuff that was going out, the information that was going out was actually going to Delos anyways. Well, that's what Elsie was uh, discovering, okay. I guess she, but, um, and I mean, it was basically confirmed by, by uh, Charlotte when she was saying that, uh, you know, they were trying to get information about what's going on. But yeah, it's not a hundred percent confirmed, so we still don't know fully what it is that's happening uh, with that information, what exactly that information contains, and why it's so important. Although everything's kind of leading to, we're going to figure out here sooner rather than later that um, <laughs> that uh, I think these hosts are just a part of a much bigger experiment to see if they can transfer human consciousness into them. Ooh. I mean, they did hint at earlier episodes that this is just part of a bigger experiment. Yeah. So we'll have to, yeah. With it, you know, what, what if Delos backwards is sold? So it's all about souls, even though it's spelled wrong. It's not the shoe soul. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, what if that's, it's all about, what, can you transfer your soul to a host and live forever? Yeah, and I mean, that does tie into the very first episode with Ford talking to Bernard about how, hey, we're going to solve death one day, and at that point, you know, what else is there? That's true, he did say that. Uh, So, what about uh, William and uh, Dolores? Um, Well, then we have the whole maze thing about what's going to be going on there, and uh, sure enough, they're getting closer to um, uh, the town, I guess. The Dolores happens to come across uh, an old abandoned section of the park that doesn't seem to be anybody. Uh, you get to see some of the old scenes again of the, the first host and how they're still kind of robotic and they're like learning how to dance. Um, you see a really, what's her name? I don't even know what they call her. But the same girl that you see as the uh, you know, attending William in episode two. Right. And then later in the episode, uh, that same character is found by the man in black and Teddy. Right. As a survivor of uh, some kind of attack. From Wyatt. Um, yeah, she's in this in this uh, little flashback scene as well. So that places her now, if the timeline theory is correct, in three different timelines. Because she's playing three different characters, but it's the same host, obviously. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the idea would be that she was in this little town. Basically, this town was probably erected in the beginnings of Westworld to train the, the host and how to be more human-like. And uh, she was – she's the, Dolores remembers seeing her there. Then she becomes a, uh outside-of-Westworld host to a- attend to the newcomers before they enter Westworld. And then now she's been – thrown into the storyline with Wyatt maybe to mess with uh, Ed Harris because his character is William from a or further down the timeline maybe not but he even says uh, at when he sees her he goes hey it's you I haven't seen you in a, or I think he says something to the to the effect that I haven't seen you in a very long time uh, I can't believe they still kept you around and then uh, well uh, you know a good host is always a good host or something like that yeah he says well Ford 
doesn't like to waste a pretty face or That's something what it was. to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that that was the most telling and obvious like sign there that there's there is some sort of timeline thing going on. Cause it's kind of a random thing for him to say, unless he's actually had dealings with her before and uh in the form of William and uh you know, it turns out that she was a host the whole time, and he couldn't even tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, I mean, just to break away from this just a little bit, uh, when it, which kind of sets Maeve off uh, in Sweetwater, is that they replaced Clementine with a new host, but kept her with the same name, and that's kind of when she started to go a little bit more uh, crazy with the, the whole wanting to, to get free, because a, a person that she considered her friend had been replaced yeah as you could tell she kind of looked at the new clementine like you're just a pale imitation you know <laughs> um like when you get that new coworker that replaces the one person you liked talking to at work and it's like you are not my friend yeah <laughs> um i've had that happen a lot actually and um yeah so it's actually not very clear, uh, now that you brought up that part of it, um, the May portion of the story on insecurity, that she's acting kind of erratically um, after she walks up to the new Clementine and slashes her throat. <laughs> I believe that's what it was, or stabs her? Uh, I think I think she stabs her, yeah. Yeah, she stabs Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was because she then started getting flashbacks of her previous uh, role where she played the like a homesteading mother and she had like a little child with her. And then she starts having the, the flashbacks of the man in black coming in to kill them. Right. Now, and I that thought, sets her off. I thought this was interesting because as this is happening, we're also getting the story from Ed, Ed Harris's character, the man in black. And he's explaining that this all happened only a year ago that he came in because his, his wife had passed away. His wife for, you know, was it 30, 30 some odd years or something like that had passed away. And his daughter had nothing to do with him because even though he never treated them badly, he never hurt them. He never did anything bad. They knew that he had all this evil underneath him. That was just, underneath the layer underneath the 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 layers and was waiting to come out and he wanted to test that so he went to westworld he went away from sweetwater for the first time and he found uh well i don't know if it's for the first time but this is kind of the way he explains it and he founds this homesteader with a with a daughter goes into the house shoots her and then shoots the daughter to see if he could just to see if he could and when he does that's when uh, Maeve's character kind of breaks away and, and fights for her own life and and stabs him. And that's kind of coincides with her stabbing May or stabbing the new Clementine. But I find it interesting that only up to a year ago that Maeve was this uh, a homesteader instead of the, the, the brothel, you know, madam. And the only reason they put her there is because... She, like her memories of her daughter dying were just too too strong or her reverie or whatever you want to call it and they had to change her storyline completely yeah they're like scrap this noise we gotta put her somewhere else <laughs> things got a little too real 
Yeah, exactly. But that's the that's what started uh, the Man in Black and his quest for the maze because he he said in that moment when he got stabbed by Maeve he he saw that there was some type of life inside of her, like actual life. So it means that there has to be more to these hosts and this whole amusement park than what has been shown to him previously. Yeah, and he wants to find his true self, and he thinks that to do that, he needs to get further into the mystery of what's really going on here. But see, wouldn't that seem like that would be against the whole like uh, multiple points in the toy- in the timeline uh, like theory? Because it, all this that's happening with him and Dolores wouldn't that have already been enough to be like there's to see some kind of life that's happening in, underneath the host? Well. That's uh, that's what we're gonna find out. I think uh, I I subscribe to the two at least two timeline theory for sure. Um, I think he's gonna have like a really fun adventure at the end of this thing, uh, William. That is, I think Dolores is probably gonna get killed uh, here in in his, but it's gonna give him like perspective, and uh, he's gonna be like, "Well, that was interesting. All right. Well, now I gotta go back to the real world." And then he just kind of puts it away, you know. He just forgets about it. They, you know, he he goes back a changed man. But like he was saying in the in his story as the Man in Black, uh, you know, he went about his life. He was married, but there was always something missing about him that he just kind of seemed dead inside. And I think that's going to be because he's going to fall in love with Dolores. You know, he's already pretty much expressed as much. He was like, well, I got a woman waiting for me back home. But, uh, you know, you're kind of making me feel more alive than she ever has. Kind of uh, conversation is what he was having with her on the train. Right. And uh, they did end up bumping uglies and everything. And I think he's definitely fallen for her, even though he knows deep down inside she's fake. Right. I think he kind of wants her to be real now. And so I think she's going to die. He's going to be like, well, that sucked, but I've matured a little bit. And yeah, then he goes 30 years past. He realizes he doesn't really have anything to show for it, even though he's said he's like a millionaire and philanthropist and all that. Uh, Deep down inside, he he feels like he's dead. And he came back just to feel, you know, he did a very, a very Johnny Cash thing where he shot someone just to watch him die. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it turns out there is actually that these hosts might be more human than he's been for the last 30-some years. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's it's prevalent in the, the fact that he's – and Teddy remembers this because he, he starts to have his own memories of, of past lives. And he says that's what he – uh, he even wakes up. He says, "Oh, I do remember something. I remember you." And he ends up, you know, tying up uh, Ed Harris's character. And uh, he he remembers the times that he killed Dolores and killed him, and you know, did did terrible things. Which I mean, now we'd have to say happened all within the year, but uh, he would have to. He 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 doesn't trust him anymore. Which yeah, then... he knocks him out, ties him up. Then um, the uh, the female host, the one that they rescued, that looked like she had survived the Wyatt attack, uh, turns out to be a double agent. <laughs> right, which I think seemed pretty obvious. How why why was she left 
alive amongst uh, all these other dead characters. But yeah, she ends up working for Wyatt, and she says, "You know, we're you're. It's time for you to come back to the fold, Teddy. You're gonna become one of us again." And whatever the hell that means, because they ended up attacking or fighting off one of the the guys that. Uh, is supposed to be working for Wyatt, and man, was he hard to take down. He took he took bullets, he took axes, and it finally took both of them. Like one doing a job of the hut kind of choke out move, and the other one, <laughs> the other one, uh, uh, having to bury the axe into him. So uh, it took quite a bit. I, I thought they were gonna really unmask the character right then, like to, to kind of show us what they look like underneath all that animal fur and stuff, but they didn't. Yeah, I also found it interesting that because they're on their way to the maze, uh, this this character that attacked them happened to kind of look a little bit like a minotaur. Oof, you know that's a good uh, observation. I didn't I didn't put two and two together, but you're right. Yeah, so well, you, you think... can thank the wife for that one. She spotted it, and I was like, <laughs> "Huh, what?" Oh. <laughs> well, do you think like uh, I mean, the reason Ford might made of. Uh, made up this Wyatt character is basically to protect the, the maze. Uh, so the closer you get to it, the uh, heart, you know, the the, the more deadly it's going to become. And then he, I mean, he obviously has his men um, fashioned after a Minotaur. Maybe he will be like a. I mean, not not that he will be an actual Minotaur, but he'll also be uh, fashioned that way. It's possible. Uh, I think. Whatever is at the heart of the maze, I don't even think Ford knows for sure. Okay. Based on the the interaction that Ford had with the man in black in the previous episode or so, it's like, well, what are you hoping to find there? You know, like, well, what is it you think you're looking for? And, um, you know, he's looking for an answer, basically, you know, the man in black said, um, to the deeper game. And Ford just kind of tries to dismiss it. It's like, yeah, I think you're wasting your time. I don't think there's anything there. But they're definitely uh, Ford is definitely putting up all the defenses around uh, what it, the closer they get to whatever it is the maze is. Now, somebody on Reddit also pointed out that, uh, I mean, I always thought it was kind of weird that the maze would just happen to be on, on the uh, scalp the of some of the hosts like in this case it was kissy the uh the car dealer from the saloon right um and i was like why exactly would that be there and how would he even know that that's there well but then uh, in later episodes they when they start talking about how some of the older hosts still have like antennas built into them um somebody pointed out on reddit that if you look at it from a certain angle the maze could actually be like a wireless transmitter as well. Like it kind of has a circuit board look to it. And uh, if you correlate that to the, the woodcarver, uh, that could be the reason why he crushes his own head is to destroy the receiver. Um, and thus, you know, any of the evidence that it was still operational and that's how stuff was being sent in and out of him. Right, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a very good point because yeah, he, he did say that the one I think I believe it's the man in black who says that the one that the ones that have the the maze uh, underneath their scalp are the older models, the ones that have been around for the longest. So which would make why it would mean why Dolores would be attracted to the maze because she's one of the oldest models there, as well as Maeve. Yeah, 
Maeve has definitely been around a long time. Um, although I don't... Has Maeve been hearing Arnold? No, yeah, she has. Because at one point she asked, who is Arnold? Yeah, exactly. And you have to yeah. account for the fact that when... Uh, in the story, when uh, the Man in Black is telling the story of him killing Maeve's daughter... He says that's the first time he was awakened to the ma- to the maze. Now, whether this is metaphorical or if it was actually physically there, the maze is carved into the ground where Maeve is holding her daughter, their dead daughter's body. Yeah. No. <laughs> I guess your daughter does not agree with the theory. <laughs> no, she's she has very opposing views. <laughs> uh, so. When, uh, when, uh, you find, or we, we, we see what's the, what's the name of the, the head writer? Uh, uh Lee Sizemore, I think. Okay. Yeah, so he's... when Charlene or Charlotte or whatever her name is, finds Lee, he's working on a uh, host and he's under the impression that he is actually working on Wyatt. And she's like, that's not Wyatt. You're not, you're being left to do busy work. And, uh, really, like attacking his uh, his ego, basically, so that he'll do what it is that she wants, which is for him to be the new Therese. I mean, in sense, to f- funnel out information for her to Delos or whoever it is that she's working for. And uh, I mean, we we kind of get the idea that we were seeing White for the first time, but then she quickly shoots that down. So. Uh, other than the the scene when you see Teddy having his flashback memories of what Wyatt did in that town, we haven't really seen Wyatt yet, or a, the modern version of Wyatt. Why do you think they're keeping that kind of in wraps? Well, I think Wyatt's going to have to be a surprise, and one of the theories is that Wyatt is actually Dolores. Oh. Yeah, that's... Like- um. I mean, if if we go back again to that one flashback Dolores had to the first town where, like, the the hosts are still semi-robotic, um, that whole flashback ends with what looks like a massacre. True. And then you have uh, Dolores sees an older version of herself kind of standing in the middle of all this holding a gun. And then she uh, she looks like she's about to blow her brains out. Yeah. And William so it, stops her in the current time from blowing out her brains yes and so the theory there is that um arnold made her do it or gave her the the freedom to do to basically just go crazy uh in order to kill uh i don't know to to show the potential or the danger um the the exact logic or reasoning behind it hasn't been made clear yet but I think it is heavily implying that Dolores is actually a Stone Cold killer, and that's going to make a comeback very soon. I, I mean, I, I have to. I, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting theory about Dolores being Wyatt. I just. I was going to say. I mean, obviously Wyatt is going to have to be someone that we've already seen because why else would they keep uh, such secrecy around the character and not show us who the character is yet? Uh, I, I like that theory, but that and, and we also. I want to talk talk about how uh, the town that she is seen in her flashback and that she's walking up on is the town that is supposedly being re unearthed by Ford in, in the in you know in his new narrative. 
Yeah, which I thought was strange. Um, that the whole town was basically underground, and that the, what we were seeing before in just glimpses, uh, when we would see like part of a steeple, right? I think is now buried. So it leads me to believe that something very bad happened there, and they literally covered it up in order to uh, kind of move away from that. Well, as we saw in like in the the uh, facility side of the of the park, they, when they get done with a a certain floor, they kind of just abandon it. There, you know, they leave the equipment there, and uh, you know, just kind of turn the lights off and go to the next fl- subfloor. So I I wouldn't doubt it if that's what they they just bury the the land the the part of the park that they don't want to use anymore, and then move on to the next part of the park. Yeah, that's it's such a like. <laughs> I really just wonder what the overhead for this park is with all of that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think once again, like we'd have to go back to the first episode where we were talking about just the price of staying there. So uh, it's got to be pretty high if that's the yeah their overhead's going to be pretty high too. Now, the, speaking of like the overhead for the parks, um, at one point when. Uh, Teddy has the man in black now like tied up and everything. And the man in black does go into his whole speech about like, you know, why he's doing what he's doing and all that. He does mention that Westworld is just one of many such places. Did you catch that? I didn't catch that. Yeah, I don't remember the exact phrasing he said, but yeah, he says uh, like this place, this is just one of many and uh I can't remember what the context was to that. It's 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 early on in his like little uh, like uh, monologue that he gives, but I thought that was very interesting that it's hinting that there's other worlds like this one out there. That is, that is interesting. I mean, which we have been talking about uh, since the beginning of the show. If if there is the other places like medieval world and and Rome world. Or if maybe there's just made to multiple Westworlds. What if there's multiple Westworlds and we're seeing uh, not two different points in one timeline, but just two different parks? That would be even more interesting, too. <laughs> if they're happening like simultaneously, but like completely separate geographically. Right. And uh, maybe they are linked somehow. Like there's t- That would actually be really cool. So like instead of a Dolores in two timelines, the Doloreses from two different places are like crossing paths somehow like their their lines are getting crossed yeah that ooh <laughs> like cuz i mean why why else would she at that one point when she's hallucinating she sees a a dead dolores like you know floating in the water yeah interesting that she'd be seeing it from a third person and not from like face down in the riverbank you know yeah exactly what do you think uh, Ford's new narrative would be that he's going to have to un- he's he's going to unearth the town that's buried that was also a town at one point? That's a good question. I think that's where everybody's going to converge. We're going to have Mabe. Um, well, I think the town was also buried because not only does something really bad happen there, it's probably either the entrance to or it is the center of the maze already. Uh, I I find it highly unlikely that the maze is like a physical maze. I think it's more of like a metaphysical the me- maze? In, in the metaphorical sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's something that's some sort of access point or there's something that's there that we just don't know about yet. It could be like a terminal that's hidden in the church. Maybe 
uh, kind of like how there was a terminal hidden in that one place where Elsie goes. It looked like it was a like a theater. Yeah, it looked like some kind of theater. And it was like a terminal was underneath the stage for some reason. Right. Yeah, it could be something like that. It's like, oh, this is the uh, the uh, input output signal carrier that the host needs to access in order to do what you know whatever. Right. And they just forgot about or didn't know it was there all along. <laughs> So, do you uh, did you have any other particular places you want to go in this episode that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, let's see. Teddy gets betrayed. He gets stabbed in the chest by uh, the female host. Um, yeah, they're gonna take them away. Uh, Maybe I believe her her part of this story ends with uh, the the text catching up to her, doesn't it? Well, yeah, there you can you see that they're like banging on the door that she's kind of hiding in a hotel room. Yeah, so she didn't pick a very good spot. So we'll see where she goes to next. Uh, she's probably going to end up underground, and we'll see some more violence in there because that's just what seems to happen in this place. One thing I didn't understand Again. with her storyline though was like she she right before uh, so she says I'm going to go get my army, and then the next scene you see her they're doing the the bank robbery. Rodrigo Santoro's character is doing his uh, uh, safe robbery, and she's kind of helping him out by. Uh, testing out her powers of influencing people and like he she tells the sheriff to walk away and then the snake lady shoots him in the back i thought yeah. at that point she was going to kind of try and wake up uh you know the safe robbers but that doesn't really happen she just kind of she's more she's just testing her powers yeah i think uh what she's going to end up doing is she's going to essentially say like i don't know she's gonna have to get on a megaphone or something in order to reach as many hosts as possible uh-huh. and just say hey all of you guys this is a, this is all fake we're not real let's get the hell out of here or something like that and that's what's going to cause the revolution you'll have all of the hosts now turn on the the newcomers <laughs> um okay. which yeah i mean if you think about it she's kind of spreading the the virus if you want to think of it that way to the others now the way that Dolores did it to her uh, but Maeve is like accelerating yes so that's I think that's the direction we're going she's gonna basically just get enough of the host on her side to overpower or, or outnumber pretty much everyone else and if you think about it I mean if if, if Maeve can now hurt humans um, then you have a pretty sizable army because I think the host outnumbered the the humans at this place. Oh, definitely by a, a big percent percentage. And I gotta, I have to assume that they that they're stronger too. Oh yeah, and especially if you can dull their sense of pain like she has now, and yeah, maybe even reverse it so that the weapons of the humans can't harm the host, but the host can harm the humans. That'd Ooh, be even better. That's not a bad you know uh, idea. Um, <laughs> Uh, where did we leave off with Dolores and William? Uh, I believe he stops her from shooting herself. And that was just the end of that? And, I believe uh, so. Any, anybody else? Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we covered uh, Lee and the, the narrative thing and how he's going to be the new spy for Therese, or not Therese, uh, Charlotte, uh, Man in Black. Uh, I guess they, it was a trap the whole time. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we'll see. Now it's... Only two episodes left. Uh, if it's like Game of Thrones, episode nine is going to be a huge what the fuck type uh, episode. <laughs> so prepare for uh, Ned Stark beheading. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to see something huge here. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised at this point if we find out Ford has been a host all along. He was the first host. Built That's by why Arnold. he's the most powerful of them. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's my prediction. That, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you what. What are some predictions you have for this last two episodes? But uh, that's a good one. I, I. I can't wait to see what that. What that moment is going to be in this. Th- this episode. So. Uh, yeah, I think. I think the overall the big reveal is that we're going to see, and I'm still sticking to it, is that Westworld isn't even on Earth. That that's going to be an interesting reveal if that's that happens also. Yep, and I can't wait to post on Twitter and say, called it. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Talking about Twitter, if you want to fo- follow John and talk to him about his theories on Westworld, you can find him at Magic Bollocks on Twitter. You can find me at Agent underscore of the underscore bat. Or you can find all of Geek Elite Radio at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Uh, then go over to our Facebook account and uh, be part of the conversation. Join our community. Talk to us about anything you want to geek out about and the rest of the people there. It's uh, facebook.com backslash radio. Then make sure to go to our website, geekleetradio.com, to check out archived episodes of this podcast and any podcast on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Anything else you want to talk about real fast, John, before we uh, sign off? Uh, yeah, actually, just completely tangential, like not even related to anything that we're talking about. But as you know, I like watching stuff on YouTube. Uh, I like to recommend for anybody out there that's interested in the Cthulhu mythos or Cthulhu <laughs> on YouTube by uh, a channel called The Explainer, I believe, The Exploring Series. And they go into all the different characters and some of the major plot points of the Cthulhu mythos. Uh, so if you're like me and you like cosmic horror and uh, or if you're just curious about what the whole Cthulhu thing is, it's a really cool series that breaks down the major characters and some of the the, the plots of some of the different stories on there of Cthulhu. And Good what, stuff. And once again, that the name of that channel was? The Exploring Series, all one word, no spaces. Or you could just type in Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, Cthulhu being one of those hard words to spell. It's uh, C-T-H-U-L-H-U. And then Mythos, M-Y-T-H-O-S. It's the one by the Exploring series. You'll see explanations on all the different characters, like the Deep Ones, the Great Old Ones, uh, Shub Niggurath, Shock Sothoth. I mean, all these really cool dudes that are hard to pronounce. Well, there you go. Uh, if you want to, if that's something you geek out about and want to want to learn more or just uh, you know talk about it. Uh, go watch that channel and talk to John. See what he has to say, what he thinks. So, uh, But until next time, this has been the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to, remember to geek, out. geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs>